This is Paul with Pod Clubhouse. And this is Kat with Shuffle Online. And tonight we're here to bring you our coverage of the finale of the second season of Prime Video's The Boys. This one is the eighth episode. It's called What I Know. What'd you think of the finale? So I watched it twice and I, ha- I I remember after I watched it the first time, I was just like, wow, this is one of the, I, I, and I, I'm going to use best as like, you know, um, I don't know what kind of term, but like it, it's, it, it was the best for me in the sense, like the best one I've seen um, recently as a finale, just because it went in directions I didn't know. I, I didn't think it was going to go, which is very boys anyway, but they managed to surprise me. And I love that when, you know, in a season finale, especially with TV now, like, I don't, I don't know. There's just so much. And sometimes it falls flat. And I have to say for a season two finale, like they outdid themselves, I think, in my opinion. What did you think? I liked it a lot. There are a couple of plot points that I'd like to discuss with you that um that left me kind of scratching me noggin a little bit and maybe mm-hmm. you you can help me fill in the blanks but we got not exactly all of our predictions but maybe versions of our predictions uh, as to what how things might wind up this season so that made me reasonably happy i would like i would rather been like dead on but you know this will work <laughs> um <laughs> yeah but the action was good and it and uh it, that that hit on all the all the numbers I needed it to. Uh, I think at some point they're going to need to have a bigger SummerSlam style brawl uh, with all the soups in one spot. But this was a pretty good warm up for something like that. But yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, one of those plot points that we were close on, but not exactly, was Becca and how she played into things. I mean close because we knew that to keep the stakes high, the boys was going to have to kill one of the good guys. Yeah. We just thought it would be one of the boys. We were close. <laughs> I just never thought they, <laughs> that they were going to kill Becca. What did you think? Yeah, that's one thing that um, really surprised me because I never even thought she would be a possibility. And I didn't think that she was going to play such a big role in the finale as well. Like I knew she'd probably at some point maybe try to get away, you know, find Ryan. But I thought that would maybe happen in a later season, like in the next season. I didn't think it was going to be, you know, happen in this way. And um, I don't know. It was just so good, though, like with the fact that like it had it with Billy and the fact that it's going to change the whole course of like season three. And I want to see how Becca's death also affects him. Well, sure. I mean, his his whole motivation was her. Yeah. And he doesn't care so much for Ryan. I mean, he put him in the colonel's car and that was about it. Mm-hmm. So you're right. It, it should change his entire trajectory. Uh, one of the things that I liked about, um, you know, when 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 he, we get, I guess we're going to get into it, but, you know, when he um, admits to her like, hey, I was going to just get rid of Ryan. I was going to, you know, be with you. I was going to lie to you. You know, I was going to be, you know, like he says, sorry, guys, uh, a cunt. <laughs> and, um, and he, you know, he didn't do it. And she, you know, in, in other, I think, series, finding out someone was going to do that to you, 
um, you would have probably been like, oh no, like, you know, you know it, it would have gone a different way um, with that relationship. And she would be like, how could you? And blah, blah. And this one, she was like, but you didn't, you know, like it was like, it was such a good moment that I liked because I've always seen the opposite of that. Some like in most, um, when those moments happen and I liked that she was like, Hey, but you didn't do it. That shows that, you know, you're a good person. That's the person I love that you, you knew it would hurt me so much and you couldn't like lie to me. And I really liked that moment between them. Unfortunately it happened. Then she died. But, um, I think that him making that decision not to sell out Ryan was a big one for him. That could be a turning point in his character and not just like character, meaning like character as a, as a element of a story, but I mean, his character as a person in terms mm -hmm. of selling out allies, uh, essentially for his own gain, which is, you know, he was telling her, you need to go because I sold you out and I'll, and I'll do it again. <laughs> but then he didn't is what his, his mm -hmm. action was. And even when he had a chance, I mean, he looked pretty murderous toward Ryan there at one point. But then he didn't. So yeah. I guess uh, it is actions <laughs> that, that make up your character rather than your dark thoughts that you'd rather not share with anybody. Yeah. And I think it really showed like we've been talking about like, who is he really? You know, is he the leader? Is he does he care about his team? And I think that moment when he decided to not turn his back on, you know, Becca, because it would hurt, you know, it really hurt her and he couldn't do it. I think it shows like, he is a good guy in his own way, in his own boy's way. And that's the difference between him and Homelander because Homelander was like wanting to take out Ryan, you know, because he took out Stormfront. And so it was just like the difference between the reaction and uh, the fact that I think Billy has, you know, I think that was, uh, what was it called? The, the, um, the bird, like the canary. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I just found it so good in, in my eyes. I'm sad Beck is gone, but I think it was not for uh, nothing. <laughs> so for those of you wondering how she found Billy, uh, there was a very purposeful part of the pre-show review clips where he kind of just generally describes that he lives under a pawn shop in this certain part of town. And so I guess she just checked them all until she found Billy. So that explains how she found him. They dropped a couple of cool factoids that I guess won't amount to anything now that she's gone, but they apparently met at Fort Bragg somehow, um, mm -hmm. su suggesting one or both were in the military, which is, again, always weird when you hear that Billy had anything to do with an American agency or military of any sort. But that's kind of the suggestion there. She was experienced uh, with using the pistol. Did you ever watch the TV show Shooter? Yeah, I did, yeah. So she was the wife on Shooter also. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so That's she, why she looks so familiar. Yeah, okay, yeah. I remember her with Ryan Phillippe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she had to be familiar with, with how to use a gun on that show as well. And uh, no, I won't say it, but there's a there's a weird tie-in to her character <laughs> that, <laughs> that I don't want to say for people that haven't seen that show. But then finally, it wasn't a verbal reveal, but just the fact that she had the balls, the guts, or the ovaries, whatever you want to call them, to go and stab <laughs> Stormfront in the eye. Oh, wow. yes. Wow. We know how Frenchie specializes in soup weaknesses. Maybe Becca's got a little of that in her, too, having been raped by a soup. Maybe she made it her business <laughs> to know how to take, yes. a, take them down. And maybe eyes, like with, for instance, putting the bomb up Translucent's butt, Maybe there are just certain inherent weak spots. 
Yeah, it seems like that's what it is because um, this episode kind of revealed a lot more. Um, like we've seen the soups kill easily or whatever, but seeing them go against, um, like when Billy was trying to fight Stormfront from choking Becca to death, but he like was not making any sort of dent. He was like hitting her no. and hitting her, and it was like literally not affecting her. No. And you realize how like they can just like snap you so easily. So it was kind of cool to see her that she found that weak spot <laughs> i guess like the, there is weak things that they have where you can take them out so that i guess in a way like she kind of had the best pre-death like uh, at least she she was able to fight um and, she had a good as showing as opposed to yeah as opposed to like you know when homelander raped her and obviously she probably couldn't fight him off so i think yeah you're right i think she probably was like i'm not gonna let that happen again you know <laughs> yeah it's 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 within the realm of possibility like like we've mm-hmm. said before we've both cat and i have not read the the comics or graphic novels whatever your preferred terminology is so we're coming in at this as just tv show reviewers and and talking about just what we've been given um, do you want to talk about Becca and and Ryan? Like what she thought, what she told um, Billy about Ryan? Well, sure. She loves him as her son, but she did reveal a side that she was also doing it for the greater good of humanity, and the fact that she didn't want him to grow up like Homelander. So she, in that sense, she revealed the fact that she was scared that he would become Homelander, um, and maybe was afraid of him in a way of, of that of of creating a monster. That's that's interesting. Did you ever see the movie Brightburn? I didn't know. I I heard about it. For those of you that don't know, Brightburn is basically the retelling of the origin of Superman, except where the kid is a bad egg instead of, (laughs) you know, Kal-El. And so he could be raised by a loving mother and father. But just when he comes into his powers, he, he goes the opposite way. He does start doing bad things to people. I've seen people making Brightburn and like Homelander type type comparisons because that is the opposite case. It was that he was raised fine, but he still turned out like shit. So that's interesting that, that, that Becca has that outlook on needing to try to take care of this problem the best she can. It's honorable for sure. She's and, and respectable because it is the best that, that she can do. She knows that there's a potential world ending problem on, in her care. <laughs> and it's up to her to to make sure it yeah. goes okay. Yeah, and it, it does show that sort of thing of, you know, I think because what Homelander did to her and, and, and Ryan was the result, it, I wonder if it kind of brings up that thing of like, she just didn't want that to happen to somebody. You know, like, it, it, not that oh, yeah. specifically, but, Good point. but just in a way, yeah, like, I think as much as you love your kid, it is part Homelander who did that to you. And I feel like for the for the whole season, we don't get the fact, we don't get the sense that she doesn't, uh, that she loves Ryan a hundred percent and all that. But in this one, you got a little bit of like, Oh, it might be like 90% and like 10%, you know, fear or something or, or all of it at the same time. But knowing like it, it wasn't just all about Ryan too, you know, it was all, it was a bit of her too, I think, and the feelings around just the whole thing. Good point. I would have passed right over that, but yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> okay. So when Billy goes to, um, cause he says, I'm going to, I'm going to make this right. You know, this is before, um, when Becca goes to him looking for Ryan and he goes to Stan Edgar and I found it not necessarily something he said, but, um, when he, when he was, um, pressing Stan to tell him like, Hey, why are you in cahoots with, um, Stormfront? Because she's a Nazi and, and you're black. Um, and, and he asked her, he asks him point blank, like, what makes you think you can control her? 
And then Stan just basically dismisses that question and moves on to something else. And I found that like, oh, like, what do you have that you can control her? Because the way this ends, we don't know if she's really dead, dead, you know? Yeah. Um, and I wonder, like, that didn't get answered at all in the in the finale or this season of why Stan Edgar did side with Stormfront, you know? And, and I think that just leads to maybe possibly, like, what we're going to see in season three, maybe, um, and the bigger world of, like, of, of his world, maybe, of, like, things we don't know of the upper, you know, levels of um, bot. So I found that interesting that that's what i got out from like the billy and stan conversation besides you know everything else but i don't know if you noticed that i did that one point stands out as as you know they had a pretty back and forth conversation he admitted that that she is who who you think she is that's who she is <laughs> and <laughs> and uh he was pretty forthright he said some very honest things to billy that white man's luxury stuff was i don't know that you share that with everybody that you meet with kind of your yeah opinions on on matters like that maybe you do if you're stan edgar but i don't know but sidestepping that one question does leave um like you said an, a loose thread that could lead into the future we have a few of them this season you know like <laughs> yes. cindy walking down the road and just leaving without being seen again this season there's there's a pretty good one and then we've had a season-long question about stormfront and edgar we haven't ever seen them together and we know that edgar had to be instrumental in placing her into the seven i had been guessing that maybe she was just you know still on the board or something from whenever friedrich uh, formed the company uh but That doesn't seem like it's necessarily the case. Maybe it is, but it seems more like Edgar's actually in charge here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that and there's a moment when uh, Homelander and Stormfront are talking about the distribution of Compound V before everything goes to shit for them. And she says, we'll give it to the right people. And Homelander says, well, who are the right people? And then she says, Friedrich had a way to figure that out or something to that effect. Yes, that didn't also didn't get answered. <laughs> yeah, like what does that mean? A way to sort things out, or whatever, whatever her answer was. It, Homelander didn't probe, and she didn't offer any more. And these two things might even tie together. You know, just sort of that stuff behind the business, behind the way that Vought is being run, that isn't visible to us yet at all we just kind of get these little things like there are things happening that you don't know that that's seems to be the the theme with these kinds of answers there are things behind the scenes that we don't know yet that are definitely real and definitely happening yeah and i guess to um i know that was like a side swipe of billy but i guess the one other thing that i have with billy from this finale is the other boys seeing him react with becca they they know how Billy is, and I think they know, like, maybe he puts on this persona. Maybe they don't, you know, because of the way they talk about him. But I think them seeing him uh, him with uh, Becca really kind of made them maybe, I don't know, I would say trust him more, but I think really understand where he's coming from. And knowing that he does probably care about them, even though he didn't show it really well. I also think that maybe that was the whole point of the father you know, like the mom and bringing him, bringing him with to meet his dad and like the way it went down because she had said, you know, I, I just didn't want you to end up like him. You know, I wanted you to see him how he is. And I wonder if that had any influence on like the decisions he ultimately ended up making in, in the finale as well. You know, I bet you're right. 
because there are certain plot responsibilities that a miniseries like this has on an episode-by-episode basis. But then, because it is so short compared to another series, you know, a 22-episode you know episode season, they can make promises that carry out over several episodes to cash in on things that they've set up episodes ago. And mm-hmm. you do see that in 22-episode shows. But, th- but since these are so short, they seem almost like they almost like reading a novel, you know, or, or something like that, where they can get a lot of ideas out at, out at once, um, more so than you'd get with just like a regular TV show, more than you'd get with like a movie, but not as quite as much and in, in, in time consuming as a whole season of TV. Um, mm-hmm. So I bet you're onto something. I bet you're right. I bet that is paying off the relationship with his dad and the shortcomings his dad had and how... He might have. You could consider that he had been pondering fatherhood since running into his dad and the things that he would prefer to correct in his own ways should he ever be put in the same position. That's just very natural shit for a person to think of after having gone Mm -hmm. through that thing with his dad. I mean, he did tell Ryan, I mean, the best advice I love, don't be a cunt. (laughs) (laughs) That was hilarious. (laughs) I was like, oh, don't forget what I told you. (laughs) I was actually, I was like, yeah, I was actually kind of bummed because I, when, when the whole thing played out with, you know, um, when I was like, oh no, oh my God, like this was exactly what he didn't want to happen. He didn't want to be in charge of Ryan because he, he's so afraid of, you know, maybe becoming his father and putting that on, you know, another, um, a little human being that's yours or whatever. It's funny how he ended up in that position anyway, as much as he fought it. And I was like, cool. Like I would love to see the Ryan and Billy adventures in season three. But then like <laughs> when he like kind of drops him off with the colonels of like, Oh, I was like, that, that kind of sucks, but maybe they'll revisit it in season three. I don't know. Maybe it's like a temporary thing just so him to get sorted and maybe he'll like come back in the care, but I don't know. I do think Ryan will figure in later, but I don't know about right away. What do you think of his decision to drop him off with the colonel rather than having the the Billy and Ryan adventures. I I thought that was convenient in in terms of the show. I thought like just because he made that promise to Becca, I feel like he has to be close by with Ryan to make sure that he actually honors that because it seemed like he is very, like sticking to it very, you know, obviously um, he's going to honor that promise. And so I really just hope it's like a I don't know, like he needs to go take care of stuff before but like then then he is going to meet up with them. Like I said, like I really, I really was bummed that he kind of just dropped her with the colonel. It seemed kind of like a cheap show trick in in that sense. I I think I agree with all that. There are TV problems with using children that are still growing, and so if you jettison him for a little while, the next time he comes back, if he's like six and a half feet tall, then it's okay. You know, it's <laughs> it's uh, not so weird. I don't know. Did you ever did you ever watch uh, Once Upon a Time? Yes, I did. So the reason I bring up Once Upon a Time is just that. They had a similar situation with Henry where, mm-hmm. you know, if you were binging it like I did when I watched it, in one episode, he's he's still the same, you know, like 11-ish year old kid. And then in the next episode, it seems like he's got this <laughs> deep voice. He's like a half a foot taller. And it's he's got and he's reached the quote unquote awkward phase. Whereas if you have a kid like Ryan, you can jettison him for a little while, let him come back, and it's not quite as jarring for the the audience. But you are right in identifying that as convenient. I could rationalize that Billy, after a self-assessment, knew that he is in no way 
any condition to be a father figure to any other person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I think objectively that's true. But the spirit of what Becca wanted for Ryan was not fulfilled in putting him into the system. Yeah. And it felt that way because I was thinking, and I I can't think of a comparison, but I know there is one like in a movie or television show that I'm I, I, I getting this from is like, you would basically be like a, he could train him to be a badass and have a moral standard, you know, and train him to not be like Homelander and, you know, all that kind of thing. And I feel like I could see where he's fast forward to like 18. He He's a young adult, sort of like a Superman type thing, but like, he has like an edge to him because he was raised by Billy. And that's what I really wanted that to be the start of. And maybe it will later, maybe if he gets a little bit older, but it seemed a little odd that he was going to, like you said, throw him into the system when he knows what the system can do, (laughs) you know, like, especially with soup system and who knows if they're even going to be safe with like the Colonel and where is she taking him? It just seemed kind of like a, backhand to becca's promise in my eyes right yeah just from that little moment we don't know the full extent maybe he'll bring him back but i don't know but just from that moment i was like really billy like for all we know he can have easy access to the boy maybe the boy will want to get to know him better that all is open you know or next season they could say no you can't know where he is or that could also happen yeah i think convenient was was the right word to describe how that went down i understand it but I don't really agree with it exactly. It had been a yeah. more interesting show with the kid in the mix. And and what they could have done to just kind of wait for that to happen is I wish they just would have showed that scene maybe at the beginning of next season and just left it where like we would have had the Billy and Ryan adventures. And then we would have realized like, oh, in practicality, it's not going to work. That would make sense. But I feel like they had just like this powerful moment in the finale. And then like they kind of just negated all that you know in, in a way by mm-hmm. him just tossing them over because it's like it's also like ryan he's very unstable <laughs> he, he's trying to, he's discovering his power and then you are just going to abandon him again like he's vulnerable right now like what are you doing exactly uh, one of the influences on the possible billy and ryan that could be a positive would be fellow boy huey yes huey when you chalk up everything he did in this episode as i did it's not a lot, <laughs> but we do get some some Huey backstory. Uh, the mm-hmm. Billy Joel stuff that we had detected earlier is all tied into his mom, something he didn't share right away. Annie had to really kind of pry it out of him in order for him to open up about it at all. He tried to sidestep it, and then he came out with it later that it's just that it reminds him of her when he was young and things were better in his life. And there's some security brought on by that feeling. And so he was trying to give himself that feeling over and over again in this season. That's really what the Billy Joel is meant to signify. There's a moment when he says that at a certain age, it's like an alarm just went off and she just left. Can't remember exactly how he put it, but he he, he swore a little bit. So he, he obviously wasn't feeling great about it. That's another dangling thread, I think. A mom that yeah, just, his mom's still alive. Right. <laughs> all that. A mom that just leaves a family where everything is going okay. We've met his dad. I mean, women can leave a husband for whatever reason they, they want, but I don't think Simon Pegg was abusing her or anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, I could yeah, see where, no. where his lack of ambition might be sort of like not the greatest thing to be around, but it's not like abuse or anything like that either. So is there something plot-related 
that could happen with Huey's mom, I'm, I'm really interested to find out. What do you think? Yeah, I actually hadn't thought about that because I just thought like, oh, he's he's opening up to Starlight and, and that's cool. Like, you know, that the Billy Joel thing Because I actually thought of you because I know you were like, what's going on with this? Um, we had talked about earlier in the season and I was like, I like that it was resolved and it wasn't just like this, you know, trying to be cool and in, in, in a boy's way. We actually had meaning, which made it um, uh, I was like, OK, I can I can dig that. But now that you're talking about it and it's like the number one role we keep saying over and over there nothing happens in tv like no plot none of these little like tidbits are revealed if there's not going to be something that happens i mean not all the time obviously there's some shows that don't resolve a lot of it but now that you brought that up i think if she left when he was little is huey like a dormant soup you know or like is there something going on in that related element because like you said he didn't really have much to do in this finale and also kind of like all season he was just kind of the one getting hurt the one being used as like the moral um you know because he he's vulnerable he's human and like or he's just a little bit um weaker than all the other people all the other boys and it seems for him to be such a big part of the show he's you know one of the names jack wade um it it doesn't make sense in a way right like that they would just throw that away so the fact that they revealed that little tidbit in the finale and everything you just brought up seems suspect now to me and i think that will be part of season three that's one of my predictions i guess i think it's a fair one because you know we've already said billy doesn't have the same driver anymore the other boys have some sort of fulfillment in what they have their scenes of denouement right uh, mm-hmm. But Huey is experimental in what he wants to do, but it's not really a sure thing where he's at. He's he's trying new things. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think this mom business might work out. I don't know if he's a closet soup that doesn't doesn't know he's a soup. I don't know about that. I mean, we know that <laughs> people who are now adults were given the V when they were kids. Maybe something having to do with that process made his mom disappear, whether she couldn't live with herself for having done it or any number of, of things. She got tied up with Vought in some unseemly way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know they're not yeah. above that kind of thing. So, yeah. So what do you think of his ultimate decision to go work for Senator Headpopper? Is is that <laughs> is just like like coalition against Vought? Is that is that probably just it? Yeah. I mean, I think for him it is. I think he, he thinks he, he, he wants to help out in a way. I think... It's funny because I feel like he wanted Billy to be a certain way, I think, right? Like, I think probably fill in in a way for the lack of, you know, his father, like his father dying and stuff. Father figure, sorry. Billy just never wanted to do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think Billy is probably like the most ready if Huey were, you know, lean into him at this point to uh, maybe be more open to what what Huey, you know, has been trying to get him to do throughout the whole season. And then now, but then after Huey, like, has not, it's not been reciprocated. Um, he's just like, I got to get rid of it. Like, I got to stop needing people. I think he just wants to go out on his own and not have to rely on the boys, even Starlight in a way, since he knows he is sort of the weakest link. Maybe he knows he can, he, he wants to do, try and do something good like they do, but you know, in the less heroic way, I guess. <laughs> I think he finally came. I think. I think what I'm trying to say is he finally came to terms with his place within the boys and in the world. Is what it seemed like, and he was okay with it. Like, uh, for instance, in the big climax scene, soon as he doesn't have to handle the gun anymore, he hands it off to to somebody else because yeah. he, it's like he knows he's more dangerous to to his friends with it than he is to the enemy. 
Yeah. And remember, he did that whole speech earlier in the season where he was like, you know, I can, I'm the underdog, whatever. And then I thought he would have uh, maybe a big showing towards the end, but he didn't. And I, I think I like that they did, they did that because ultimately he represents kind of like what would we, we would be, right? And he can't overpower them. Billy can't overpower them. You know, nobody can um, unless you take, you know, stab him in the eye, maybe. <laughs> um, so I think that was a good way to like show like, don't try to be the hero that you think, you know, in the way that the boys are, you got to be your own, you know, find your own path because that's not it. <laughs> it's ballsy. Makes me wonder how many seasons Kripke and the other producers have in mind for this show. As you know, fans of the show, we only get news about renewals a little, little bit at a time. So we knew before this went live, before season two went live at all, that season three had been bought or you know whatever they're renewed and mm-hmm. um but that's as far as we know you know for other shows for instance like say this is us where they made like a two season renewal in in one you know or like rick and morty mm-hmm. gets a 70 show order in one go <laughs> who does yeah. that 70 oh. um this show seems to really beg for the idea of a well thought out multi-season arc but we haven't been exposed to that being any kind of like sure thing. Something that gives me confidence in what you're saying is the fact that there's been articles out that the boys is doing really, really well, even though there was like the controversy of them releasing it week to week. But I think it ultimately has paid off because it's been, you know, people have had to wait. They like the show and they actually want to watch to the next week. And apparently it's like, uh, you know, from whatever stats, that, you know, the corporation who does like the tracking or whatever, what the most popular views are or whatever, has said that it's the first time that like this show, like Amazon is broken into like the top 10 and really competing against Netflix um, originals and all that. So I think given the fact that Amazon really hasn't had a breakout hit in that way, like they've had Maisel, they've had whatever, but I think this one is um, doing really, really well that I hope maybe when season three is closer, they'll just say, oh yeah, we have a season four. <laughs> and so we can have sort of the same feeling of like, okay, I'm going to get invested and I'm going to be able to also continue later. Like that was really nice watching season two, knowing there was going to be a season three. Well, and for things like Huey, you know, our notes for Huey for all eight episodes would probably be in terms of like stuff he did and stuff that we know that he felt or, or thought about is like one sheet of paper front and back in the, <laughs> you know, and yeah. other characters have a ton of stuff and he's supposed to be our eyes and ears as the um, stand in for us, the, 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 the non-powered viewer. Yes. So for him to have basically not really grown or changed this season if they were going to end the season, it would have been terrible. <laughs> but, yes, it would have. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thinking about it, well, maybe they actually have like five or some season number in mind. Okay, then you can have that season that's really more Billy's season, you know? Mm-hmm. It was really Starlight and Maeve's season and Homelander's. <laughs> but not Huey's. You, you, you wouldn't say Huey's. No, like... The fact that he's considered a main character or like a main part of the main cast is questionable for this season. Like, you know, if you had just watched this season, you'd be like, what? Like he's supporting. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I ha- I split my notes up on different sheets of paper a- according to character. Annie, I filled up just about to the bottom of the page. And Huey, I barely got to the halfway mark. And they're together <laughs> for most of the show, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Maybe I just like Annie more. I don't know. 
but it seems like she went through more, did more stuff. Yeah, she she had a lot going on. Well, the rest of the boys, Mother's Milk and Frenchie and Kimiko, we had been predicting that we might lose one of them. And boy, when that car flipped over, I thought, that's it. Mother's, <laughs> mother's Milk is done. <laughs> but no, no. They're nice endings. Do you think there's any chance that we'd get like Mother's Milk back out of his family home for like season three misadventures? Or do you think that's it? That man is not going in for any more shenanigans. If this is real life, I think I would say he's probably done. But it's a TV show. And the fact that we thought he was going to you know, die, I think there has to be something that brings him back in. Or he gets lured into maybe... Um, it's either something's going to happen within the soups in the first few episodes of the other season, and then he is going to see that, or possibly, hopefully not. But like, what if like Homelander? Because the way it ended with Homelander, he went like crazy eyes, and so wondering is he going to try to get revenge in a way, and is he going to go after the boys? And the way to get after you know anybody is to go through the loved ones. So I feel like it would have to be either his family gets attacked, or something goes really wrong with Vought and everything that he sees. And wants to join the colonel in her mission. Because from what we learned, he had a chance to walk away when the colonel gave him that option and he didn't. So I think he is very much a person who wants to do right. And I feel like he would definitely jump back in if there was the right circumstance. And then it's a TV show. So I feel like it, there will be <laughs> something that's going to lure him back in. Boy, that colonel angle makes a lot of sense. Because Billy, it sounds like the door is open to him joining the colonel. But in the meantime, Colonel is going to need someone to actually man that post. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a point in the season where someone said she she liked you better anyway, or she likes me better, referring to Mother's Milk as the person she liked better than dealing with yeah. Billy. That would give him a chance to stay legal, <laughs> live, <laughs> live with his wife and, and daughters, and do what he knows is right, which is policing the superpowers. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, I think I'll call that one of my predictions that he takes that post with the colonel. Yeah. But Frenchie and Kimiko, they seem more like happy to just be with each other for now. Yes, I like that. I mean, I guess in a way they did have their own little arc and, and they did. Um, we saw reveals in this episode and, and they changed a bit. But I think if I if we're ranking, you know, the most change and stuff, I think they're behind Huey in that way. Um, while we learned more about them, it still felt like they're supporting characters. So I wonder if how they're going to play into season three. But I think they're like, I, I don't know if they'll ever get like romantic maybe in season three, but they're definitely the one, like they're a buddy, you know, they're a duo. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I like having them, you know, together and I want to see where they go and have their adventures too. So I wonder if it's going to jump forward in, in time a little bit or if it's just going to like season three, I mean, I wonder if it's going to like let it be where they do kind of like a, a montage of like maybe Frenchie and, and Kimiko like having their adventure. Like I would love to see that. And then it starts into like, okay, episode one. That makes sense. So, yeah. Just not like a lot of time, but you know, maybe like five, six months or something. All that makes sense. I mean, even if it was just say like after the campaign for the senator and the, she's now all of a sudden in some better position of power than she was before or you know some, something like mm-hmm. that all that makes sense because yeah. there's nothing really about the threads that they left dangling here that we need answered like in terms of like what happens next week <laughs> on those yes. yeah. you, you know we do need some time to pass we had guessed that Kimiko would probably get into it with Stormfront but but that she wouldn't be enough something would have to be 
added to the equation for her to have any chance. So we judged her superpowers pretty correctly. She was more powerful than her brother in the sense that she's more durable. She got her neck broken and got right back up, like Wolverine style. Uh-huh. She's basically Wolverine oh. without the claws. Yeah. Although I don't know if her skin can be penetrated, but um, like I wonder if it's be like cut off your head type thing for her to actually die. So that's like a question. Well, they all have their vulnerabilities, but getting to her for that, like like uh, for instance, you know, gas maybe does her in. You know, like um, mm, yes, chloroform or whatever other kinds of gas they use <laughs> for <laughs> for knocking people out. It's not a given in any superpower. Canon, whether it's DC or Marvel, that a superpowered person is invulnerable. If they're invulnerable to like physical attacks, it's not a given that they're that that includes things like poison or drowning, you know, lack of air, those kinds of things. Those aren't all lumped in. Like uh, Superman is amazing, but he's vulnerable to magic, whereas like Shazam has all the same powers as Superman, but not vulnerable to magic because he is magical. See, you, bet, you didn't know all that, did you? <laughs> Nerd knowledge. I liked seeing their sweet endings. Even though I predicted that they were going to die, I was glad <laughs> that they didn't. And seeing them get to have a moment's peace was nice, arc-wise. I liked, I liked that. It was good. Yes. I think sometimes, especially after watching, you know, like a Game of Thrones or Westworld or some of the other shows, like, oh, I want something, you know, like if it had just ended on something... Um, I don't know, um, like Becca dying or um, something. I'd be like, okay, that was good. But it was a choice, I think, especially like for the boys to like end it on kind of a nice note. I mean, obviously Becca died, but um, I, I like that. I'm agree. I, I like that they kind of um, all had their moments, but it felt also like this isn't going to last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. After whatever time jump where they get to have a little moment's solace, it will have been a tease, I'm sure, because they will get drawn back in, kicking and screaming, but still drawn in nonetheless. Our bridge over character between the boys and the superpower people is Annie. She was mostly boys this episode, though. Mm -hmm. She was instrumental in alerting Maeve to the idea that she would be needed at all this episode even though it didn't work out right away that car ride with Huey gave us the Billy Joel answer which I desperately needed I I was thinking that I had missed something from the first season about Billy Joel and so and I hate to and I hate to have done that but but I didn't really want to go back and rewatch the whole thing either um so I'm glad that they explained it this season and we were also uh, made a pretty good assessment on her powers as Starlight as not being enough to handle Stormfront. Not even her and Kimiko together were enough to handle Stormfront. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She could kind of stun Stormfront with those light blasts and things, but that was about it. Yeah, it's funny because there was like the girls get it done, but it was... Um with Kimiko, not Stormfront. <laughs> but that whole but that whole like um the four of them fighting was pretty cool and I liked that I was um that whole scene came together so organically as well. Um because I know Marvel tried to do that like whole scene with you know the women superheroes and people yeah. kind of like liked it or they didn't and because it just felt too like hey we're you know we're we're also promoting this um but this one it, it just felt like it was earned and it was um really cool and I I liked it and I like that Maeve although she also has had like a weird like you know I don't think she was a big part of the first season I can't really remember as much no. but this season also she's had her moments and they're big moments so it doesn't feel like she is like a Huey character. 
but I'm glad like she finally had her moment where she is a big part of this. Um, and it feels like you said, if they know that they're possibly going to have more seasons that I feel like now that she has gotten rid of the Homelander behind her shoulder and like having something on her that she can finally maybe be who she wants to be in, in some ways. And like, we can see um, more of her maybe in, in the coming seasons. I don't know. Now that she can kind of challenge Homelander. <laughs> well, they all can. Both both of the remaining women from the original seven that are currently on the seven have some license now to act more freely than, than they did before. Maeve made Starlight part of the deal. Whether or not that includes Huey, who is now going to work for a woman who has it in for Vought, <laughs> um, <laughs> that remains to be seen because, you know, he agreed to Annie, but he might not have agreed to everybody Annie related. Yes. Do you make anything of the mother and the crucifix? Is that just moms being moms? Yeah. Annie's mom is like, uh, <laughs> I, I guess in some ways, like, I, I know you have your moments with your parents where you're just like, oh, mom, you know, and Annie has reason to not talk to her ever again. But I guess she also feels kind of bad, you know, and, and the mom has tried to like make amends. I feel like that was more so because Annie had told her that speech in the last episode of like, I used to wear that cross, I used to touch it, and I thought I was doing something special. And I think she knows that she's not sent from God. But I think that was the mom's way of being like, you do, you know, you are doing something good. And this is like my way of showing you like, just use it the way you can, you know. And you have the discussion with Huey would probably back up the idea like, I am currently parentless. And you know, you have one. So there's that. He didn't rub it in or anything like that. But I think the point was probably made. I mean, that's like a question I think everyone, you know, everyone can relate to, too, is like, you have a shitty parent. Do you still love them or not? And I think like Billy's gone through that, too, with his dad. And I think the fact that he probably doesn't he doesn't know that Huey has gone through the same thing with his mom. I think that would probably also change the way he has dealt with Huey. But he doesn't ask. <laughs> yeah, so he, he did, they haven't. He, and the fact that. Huey has, didn't reveal that to Billy is also kind of a big thing, I think. From Annie, we've been talking about Maeve a little bit. So why don't we cover Maeve before we get into kind of the big two? <laughs> okay. I guess my only question mark, and depending on the answer, possible disappointment with this episode is that, yes, Starlight made Maeve aware of the problem. We need you, Maeve. She actually asked her to testify, but the message was, we're in trouble. So when the fight breaks out at the cabin, which P.S. no one is really supposed to know about except for Homelander, I thought, there's that key moment when Maeve breaks in. Kraut is not really like a uh, popular way to to put down Germans these days, but it was once. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I guess since Stormfront is uh, very old, Maybe she could appreciate the reference. It's not one that you'd really, as far as racial epithets go these days, I don't know that it's in, in real current use, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, um, you know, we, we first see Maeve and she's had it. You know, she's tired. She doesn't want to help. But then it's like the wheels start turning at some point and she realizes this this may be the big fat chance she was waiting for. She may not have Elena anymore, but this may be the one chance that she has to straighten things out for herself. Maybe Elena, who knows, but she'll never know if she doesn't go for it right now. But the yeah. question mark of how the hell did she get to that cabin 
since we aren't sure whether or not she can fly on her own or whether or not she can like, I don't know if you know, but like, like the Incredible Hulk, he can like jump for like a mile, you know, just like big leaping jumps. He can't fly, but he can jump really far. So it gets in places faster than normal walking. Can she do something like that? I don't know. Depending on what a, a comic book nerd might tell me in terms of powers that I don't know that she has, it's just like she she just appeared out of thin air. Um, it seemed like she came in flying, but I don't know. Uh, or maybe that was just me thinking that's what she did. I think it's funny because I think I've really enjoyed the season. Um, and there's some moments now that like, you know, as we're looking back, it hasn't been perfect, I think, like in just in terms of like a TV show. But there are moments like that where I'm like, you know what? I don't need to know. You know, like I do want to know eventually, maybe. But it's just more about like what she's doing, where I, I have forgiven the show in some ways and maybe not even talked about it like um, or even thought about like, oh, this is not really making sense because it's just so much, uh, I guess, on the better side that I'm like, no, oh, those little minuscule things of not knowing is OK for me. So that might be one of the main things. No one else could have generated that scene in the forest with Homelander. No one else in the in the cast could have known him as well as she does in order to yes. blackmail him in that way. I mean, we were talking about weaknesses, uh, right? And the fact that his weakness is nothing that is going to take him out physically. It's, you know, it hits him in the gut, like in his ego. And she knew that. Just like she knew, like, uh, she knew the... Uh, the nuts. The, the, yes, the nuts. So it's like she's taking out people um, from, like, the seven in the way that you wouldn't think a superhero would take out a fellow superhero. And the way she was able to kind of disarm Homelander... Because he, for a moment, I think he believed that he didn't care if she released the video. And then when they start chanting, you know, he's hearing those chanting and the fact that he couldn't give that up. It was just Mm -hmm. like, was like, yes, this is who you are. This is the whole season, you know, and and she knew that. And I I loved that. (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely want to see more Maeve's story, more development. Does she continue on this path of, of confidence that she didn't have before? Now that she has something over the thing that was scaring her so much. Anytime you have blackmail type stuff over someone else, there there's always going to be something that can break that. And then when it does, they when unleashed, things are gonna be bad for you. Now, for that to happen to Homelander, that may be the finale of the entire show. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, basically the world will have kind of blown up at that point and if Homelander gets pissed off enough to not care about that blackmail, that's it. I don't think there's much more show after that because of what he's going to do and what it's going to take to bring him down. But until then, she can actually kind of live her life, which she hasn't been able to do so far. Do you have anything else on Maeve? I like what she played um, in the finale, and I'm excited to see, like you said, where her story takes her in season three. I hope I hope we get a lot more of her being like what she, I think, has kind of... Um, uh, what is it um, like insinuated like you know when she first joined thinking probably like all of them did um, you know we met her at the time where she was already kind of like knew what was happening because she had told Starlight that in the first season right like this is what you got to do you know because she she went through some shit and so maybe she'll kind of not go to obviously the beginning of when she joined the seven but maybe some version of that after knowing you know all the stuff and everything she's been through that she'll feel like she has a purpose again and that she's actually doing some good and not, you know, being complicit with Homelander. Did you catch when Homelander takes Ryan to the Planet Hollywood Vought theme restaurant 
that the waiter was telling the the family that or offering the idea of getting a brave mave rainbow veggie burger yes <laughs> oh my god so, i want to see more of that planet uh planet uh what is it called planet, planet Vought. Vought, yeah <laughs> Yeah, the way that they had presented the Brave Mave stuff before, the fact that they would have that burger and then be pimping it like that is right on. <laughs> it's exactly yeah. how it would happen. <laughs> All right, so I think I think my big finish is going to be Homelander. So let's touch Stormfront here because she tags along on Homelander's trips with, with Ryan and... She is basically acting as support and parenting support, believe it or not, for Homelander. You mentioned the trajectory different characters have taken this season and and whether or not people are okay with it. Stormfront is probably the the lightning rod for those comments this season, starting out as the woke feminist and then winding up where she is an actually a, a closeted Nazi. And that only occurring in the span of like an episode, you know, when you say things are earned in a TV show or, or a movie, I could see where people would make the argument that that felt unearned in her case. However, apparently she's been this way since the thirties and she wasn't even like a baby then, you know? So <laughs> yeah, it's more like, I think it's easier to swallow. Like the wokeness was 100% put on and it was so easy to drop because it was a, it was only an act. Yeah, yeah, because I know um, we had posted, um, you know, um, someone on social media kind of commented that, like, oh, it seemed like it was just very abrupt that you find out that Stormfront is a Nazi after being so woke. But I was like, that I, to me, it just felt like that was the whole point, like the fact that she was able to blend in so well and manipulate people. Because then when she turned, she did the 180, it was, you know, people were going to follow her like we had talked about in the last episode. And so for me, I, I guess I thought about it in that way, not necessarily like, if we had been binging it, would it have been different? And maybe because we are talking about it and then we kind of go deep into the episode, we're not just sort of like watching it and be like, what, what was that? You know, um, maybe I felt like it was earned in that sense of like, hey, well, her history shows like what she's done. If they had told you this in the beginning, obviously it wouldn't have been as impactful as it is when you realize to the extent of what her background is. So I, I don't know. I, I think for me, it worked. I, I wasn't kind of annoyed by that. Yeah, I got over it, but I could see where people would want more of a transition where maybe she needed to phase out or, or let slip maybe a Nazi comment while pretending to be woke. I don't know. But she would say, like, I guess she's, I guess we got to look, we got to go back because when she talks to A-Train, she kind of says that. Yeah, you're right. Um, exactly. Yeah. When, yeah. When she, yeah and, and there's moments. And then um, I guess we can bring in A-Train just for this part while we're talking about um, Stormfront because stan and the church of the collective they meet and then you know basically from that is just like oh we can only take one of the you know the soups that you want either the deep or um a train a train is listening to that and stan edgar was kind of like saying like you know that you know who she is you know and he was like i don't know what you know you know what you're talking about and a train puts it together and then he says like at the very end when he gives the documents that he stole on the file from stormfront to annie and um, huey he's like yeah it's gonna make a lot of sense and I think that is maybe if we go back and, and um, view those early episodes, like little things that she says, maybe it just wasn't enough for some people. Maybe um, it was it was it was not, it was really subtle where you, you didn't pick up on it because you thought she was just being like sarcastic. Uh -huh. And you didn't think like, oh, your people meant like, oh, only 
white people, you know? Um, But yeah, I I guess I could, I can see it too. Cause I thought about it after someone, that person commented and I was like, yeah, I guess it was a little bit abrupt. There wasn't transition, but I was also thinking like, there's only eight episodes, eight episodes and they got to get it going. I guess (laughs) I can forgive it. Have you ever seen this series on YouTube called Pitch Meetings? No, I haven't. I sh- I will send you a link sometime. It is this okay. guy. He he has the idea of of he basically takes movies with gigantic plot holes, right? And then pretends that he is the producer pitching that movie to a studio head, right? And so he plays both parts. He films himself in one direction, films himself in the other direction, and then combines it so that it looks like a, of this fast-paced conversation about the movie. And he'll, he, it's like a catchphrase. He gets to this point when a huge plot hole that everybody in the world has noticed, and he'll say, well, what about that? And then the, the producer will say, oh, that, not a problem, barely an inconvenience. And that's just kind of like the, the catchphrase. Well, anyway, he has one of those for the final season of Game of Thrones. Uh, the studio head says something like, so we'll give you as many episodes as you want. And then the producer says, yeah, I think I'll do it in six. And then <laughs> and he's like, you can have more. And he's like, no, six is fine. And he says, really, I think this needs the fans would like more. And and then he's finally like, we can make it five. You know, it's fine. Okay, six is great. <laughs> and that's a pretty famously unearned character turn in, yes. in that series. I mean, the signs were there, but it's like one up to the next and then she's totally yeah different. that one needed some more yeah i i wasn't mad at like the ultimate um what she does but i think yeah it, it can feel super abrupt this one i think she was always meant to be that in this like Stormfront yeah. was always meant to be this and i think maybe i don't know maybe they just didn't do enough of those like little cues for it to be really noticeable and so it does feel like oh it's so different it could also be seen as really good because she was playing the character so well of being woke you know and mm-hmm. if if there was a Nazi trying to be on the good side or whatever, like that's the way they would do it. Like I, to me, it's believable. Well, isn't that the, the argument against uh, internet social justice warriors that they really don't give a shit. They just like to start Mm -hmm. shit. I can justify it too. Is like, I think she got with Homelander maybe quicker than she actually thought she was going to be able to get to him, you know, by helping him with like his fiasco with me. And maybe she was the one that released that. Who knows? You know, like, um, and very possibly. um, Yeah. Yeah. And so looking at that, like she needed to get that in and then she needed to get him on her side. That's probably how that all added up to happening so quickly because she had the uh, basement nerds making memes to stir up the controversy. She may not have had an exact timetable, but she had the, the major plot points that she wanted to happen. Yeah. And the fact that Annie caught on to her quick as well, I think it just maybe would have maybe it just sped up the, her timeline, possibly. I don't know. Or maybe I'm just trying to justify bad writing. I don't know. (laughs) Well, we do have that kind of unproven angle from earlier in the season when the colonel just magically shows up with Stormfront's file and then they go and run it down. But the question mark of how, where'd that even come from? Who even knew to introduce that into the fray? The colonel was kind of out of the game at that point. She's only back in it now because there's this obvious need, apparently. But she had retired, is what she told Billy at the funeral for the CIA lady that got head blown up. Mm-hmm. That's that's an outstanding question for me still, is where the heck did that file come from? 
Uh, and another question lingering from Stormfront's not exactly demise, but how she wound up is, do her superpowers include any kind of regeneration? But, you know, just that level of devastation takes a long time to fix, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, it, it was feeling like a, um, what is it? A Revenge of the Sith sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like Anakin Skywalker when he gets burned up and, it was, and you know, he doesn't die. He just becomes Darth Vader. So maybe she's going to become... <laughs> something in that realm because obviously they left her lingering again for a reason yeah i don't think it's going to be a good reason i don't think she's going to come out Mm-mm. of and very probably be a darth vader cyborg kind of thing <laughs> and be like you know what my previous life led me down this path to wind up in this sorry state so i'm going to change everything i doubt that's going to be her outlook i know and who knows what they're doing with the compound B and what if they like inject that in her um, to try to bring her back or I don't know what. And like she ends up becoming like a super villain, but it's going to be to another level. Plus all the superheroes she still has probably if she gets well enough to have all the connects with just injecting people who are on her side with compound B from, you know, like her test trials and all that. So I think that's also maybe, I don't know if that would be in season three, but that could be like a cool, like if they went to season four and she comes back or something. You know, that got me thinking of maybe a cooler ending for this whole thing might not be everyone taking down Homelander, but finding a bad guy bad enough that we won't win unless we have Homelander. So if you jack up someone who is already pretty powerful, like Stormfront with with additional juice then all of a sudden you have a person that Homelander might not beat. Yeah, that I think that'd be a lot more compelling than some battle royale <laughs> uh, yeah. against him. I think it'd be more like, oh shit, we need this guy. Now what? To that point, I did see some, like in Homelander, the way he was with Ryan, I mean, it flipped really easily when Ryan killed, I mean, was like attacked Stormfront and he was like, this little shit, you know? But I, I think that when he... The other moment, I guess, that's a better example of what I'm trying to say is when um, Stormfront's like, yeah, it's called white genocide, you know, when he's talking to, when she's yes. talking to Ryan. And then, yeah. like, I want a gif of uh, Homelander's face when he was like, what the fuck? You know, like, he was like, <laughs> uh, you know, and he was like, okay, that's enough of that. Like, even for him, like, that was too much, you know, because that was a question we had, I think, um, is, yes, he's bad in, in very many ways, but is he like racist nazi bad and um i think he was going along with this just because he wanted stormfront's love but when that moment happened i realized like oh he's not completely an evil person he doesn't want to go against all people he just hates people you know like as like a person who hasn't been loved in in that sense but he doesn't necessarily want to like kill people based on something he would kill you if like you looked at him wrong you know and it wouldn't matter what color you are (laughs) or if you just annoyed him like it doesn't his evilness doesn't stem from like a color of your skin in in that sense. I don't think he's that person. It's good old fashioned Um, evil, not racism. That's petty evil. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you know, everyone is equally can be killed. But that little semblance of like, not that there's good in him, you know, if he's like denouncing racism, because I mean, that's a bait, like very basic, but um, what a cool redemption. If there is not to justify all the bad he's done, but like you said, it, that would be a really great season arc in maybe like the final season of him trying, like the ad, like what is it like the adoration that he wants is going to have to come from him not being an asshole and like actually maybe also sort of sacrificing himself in a way. I keyed in on the same moment 
actually, as some hope that Homelander might ever, I don't think he can flip sides exactly, but just some idea that he's not complete shit. You know, the best parts yeah. of, of more compelling villains are the parts that we can identify with or see in ourselves. And yeah. the idea that he can also look pretty repelled by the idea of that kind of bullshit racism, white genocide stuff gives us a little hope. Like maybe, maybe that's too strong. It's more like, okay, now we know he's not just 100% bad. He's 90% bad, but there's a 10% there that isn't just going to hate based on color skin. Like you said, it's, it's more general than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a general hate for everyone. <laughs> right. Um, Cause my favorite sort of villains are the ones that are not just like a storm front, you know, because that's just one dimensional. The ones that I love are the layered ones where they eventually become sort of where like, Hey, you do have like sort of a reason to like Killmonger is one of my favorite from black Panther oh, because yeah. you sort of side with him in the sense of like, he has reasons to be doing what he's doing. And, you know, in the sense of like black Panther, like equally too, but like, you can't say that he's completely wrong. And like, to me, that's more compelling than just like one dimensional. Um, and, and a lot of the superhero shows don't have villains like that. It's just sort of like, they may have some semblance of it, but there's never like, there's only a few that we can probably name, right. That are like really cool, like have all those. And I think Homelander, especially with the arc he had in like those final moments, maybe it's sort of building to that, but I think it would have to be over seasons. Like it can't just happen next season. And like, he has this like aha moment and he's going to be like our actual Homelander. I think that would feel very unearned, but if they have two or three seasons, I could see that happening like in a season six or something. I think you're onto something there. Yeah, I also like that Killmonger angle. I mean, his presentation was a little rough around the edges in the way that he took the throne from T'Challa, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. his message was actually not terrible. I mean, he he did want he did want to start up war eventually, but he initially he wanted to bring some sort of help and salvation to people that that didn't have it. I mean, he wanted it for certain ends after that, but initially, you know, there was some some good, some some arguable good to what he wanted to do. That gray area of like you can't figure out like who you're actually on the side of is is very compelling, and um, we're not there. I'm not there yet with Homelander. He still needs. He's a not lot even to close. Go. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not saying like he is in the same realm, but I'm saying like it could be. It would be a really cool. Especially the fact that like Anthony Starr is just like, oh my God, he did so such amazing work as Homelander in season two and to build upon like what he did in season one. It, it just makes me excited to see like if they were to give him that sort of storyline and, 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 you know, in season three and season four, because you can only do so much of what he's doing where it becomes a little bit old, even though it's really good. So I think they're going to have to make him have some sort of different angles. Well, it might give him something to think about to reassess where he's at and what's going on with his whole life. Because, I mean, we can recount the various plot points of the episode regarding Homelander, but I think at the end of the day, if you're the character who winds up ending the episode jacking off in the moonlight on the top of the building, I think you're you're nearing <laughs> a, like a rock bottom <laughs> type you know, level for you emotionally. That is a very powerless looking man that is supposed to be the most powerful man <laughs> in the world. Yes. That's a very sad state for him to be in. 
not sad that like it gets me upset. I mean, sad, like sorry, like pitiful, like pathetic. Do you think that's possibly his low ebb in that he could gain some perspective on how he could be living his, his super life given the way things are? Do you think he, he might actually deserve to go lower than jacking off on the top of the building? That was like the best way to go, right? Um, like your whole line that you just said, like he was jacking off in the moonlight. <laughs> was like That's like needs to be like a soundbite. Um, I think he's definitely at a low. Like Maeve and Starlight are on the top right now. And obviously that probably irks him so much. He's lost his love in a way. He thinks that's probably like a love. But, it, you know, we know that it was more of a manip- manipulation by Stormfront. Sure. Um. Yeah. And who knows if he'll put that together? Because I think he was very mad at Ryan because he thought like, hey, how could you do this to me? It, it's so funny because he ha- he he craves love. Like that's his one thing, right? Like he wants adoration. He wants this. But I think the way he gets to it is just like all, all just wrong. But he has moments like he is part of the seven. Like he can go and get that love every single day if he wants. He can go and do good and get that same love. But it seems like he needs to change the way he thinks about it because of the way he was raised and like the fucked up mentality that was instilled in him and the way he was treated because like he can get the drug of, you know, love or whatever every single time, you know, he can come from that low moment right away if he wanted to. But I don't know if that's going to be an easy comeback or easy realization for him. And I think the beginning of season three, maybe half of it, I wonder if it's just going to be him in like sort of a Thor state, you know, of like just being <laughs> down in the dumps and, and hating his life because Maeve and Starlight are going to be like, hey, remember, you know, and like flipping the phone. Yeah, that's that's funny. Yeah. A Thor state. That's funny. The equivalent was him jacking off in the moonlight. Sad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> to uh, uh, Thor uh, threatening noob master uh, <laughs> over the Xbox <laughs> for for possibly cheating. Yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that Homelander does in this one, but really, I think we've t- discussed a lot of what, how how that interfaces with the other characters, and so we've told a lot of that tale already. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funny that he had a little deep action figure for eye laser training. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Oh, and I, I guess speaking on, uh, you know, redemption possibly or whatever. I am happy to say that the deep did not get redemption. And that was for me redeeming. <laughs> yeah. When he finally got pissed off and left Alistair's office, the way that he did it suggested that at some point he thought he was doing mostly bullshit, busy work, but thought it was his only way back to the seven. So he would do it anyway, which is not how redemptive arcs are made up. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So it turns out the redemption we were talking about earlier this season in the podcast, he was just kind of pretending. Do you think he's going to come up at all like in season three or you think he's done? That's a great question. We really needed a good way to introduce the church because the church was the source of the files outing Stormfront. And now that, um, you know, I guess... You know, if we're going to talk about the way it ended, which Senator Headpopper, if she took out <laughs> the Church of the Collectives, you know, the the I forgot what his name was. Um, Alistair. The, the head of the church. Alistair. Um, if he's dead now, you know, he had just had the conversation with the Deep basically saying, like, you need to get out. You're toxic, you know, because Deep went off on him. Like, you have my accounts and all this stuff. And we saw what happened to, you know, the Hawk guy. Or, um, and so I wonder if that's going to leave an opening for the deep to maybe take over because he is a soup, right? And their whole thing is like, um, 
like it, it seems like that the lady who recruited him would crown the deep as like the new church lead but i don't know maybe that's like stretching it i'm just saying like if there was a way for him to like continuing on in 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 the series like that would be it interesting that may be attractive if he can't if he can't uh have his place in the seven then at least running the church might be a thing it's funny that he considers his wife weird uh, <laughs> uh yeah yeah. I was like, oh no, that was just a commentary on like, um, you know, social commentary of like the fact that there's people who just say things to say the right things and they don't mean it at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a train back in the seven, I don't think his heart's better, but okay. Back in the seven, he's the source of the files that we mentioned about Stormfront. Good. He considers that like a, a debt paid for Huey having saved his life at the end of season one. Yeah. So we've been talking about Homelander, um, you know, what he could be in like later seasons that we don't know are confirmed or not. Um, and I think what we're talking about, like, as is, is far like a Killmonger would probably be more of like A-Train because like he being on the out of um, the seven, you know, in this season, basically, and then him doing something good, even though it was for his gain, you know, but he was yeah. against like the Nazi because obviously, you know, he he would have been out and like you know maybe he did do it for um you know his fellow people as well so like i i think while he did do it for selfish reason reasons maybe it could be a turning point for him to like have his own redemption story possibly in the next season that that was hilarious how alistair explained that the church wants to be seen as anti-nazi right now <laughs> and the fact yeah. that he, he turned over the file to out the nazi <laughs> meant that that's yeah. what they wanted to show <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah oh that's funny just a coincidence though i mean it could have just been like you stole our files we hate you you know but <laughs> uh, yeah i love though that atrium was just like he's he i know he did you know obviously he killed his girlfriend in the last season but i love like his his arc um in this season because he's kind of like a little bit of the comic relief in a way although he has had really impactful stories too of like Kind of like, hey, he, you know, knowing that he's sort of in debt, he was going to be washed up, getting kicked out, and all that. But um, in this one, he was just like, yeah, fuck that Nazi bitch. <laughs> um, and then, um, and then he, he basically was like, yeah, I wasn't. He didn't really mean what he was like trying to get with with the deep or anything. He was like, see ya. <laughs> they should have had him super run out. <laughs> yes, but although I do think he is a prime candidate for uh, season three, um, having a horrible death because we do know his his clock is ticking and he's not well, so that's something to look to in this in the next season. So, do you think uh, Senator Headpopper or Victoria Newman, as I think her actual name, do you think she might be the the villain, the big bad next season, if there is one? I really don't know because I mean she took out some of the soups, um, you know, in in that um, sent in that meeting. I, I I need to go back and maybe watch like who like and she took out the FBI person, right? And um, CIA, but yeah, um, same difference. Yeah, CIA, CIA, yeah, <laughs> and um, and then Alistair. So it's like, hmm, like I I don't know um, what her ultimate game is. I reviewed in my in my brains, you know, all the different head poppings. And it was important that they show us the opening scene with the White House chief of staff where she's there with the colonel and they're arguing about the White House's intention to release Compound V into the public. Because that told us that she was working with 
the efforts for the government to control the soups all along. And so when that CIA uh, woman went to go meet with Mother's Milk and the other boys, that would have been a meeting that someone like that senator would have known about, right? Because Mm -hmm. they'd have been like, I'm going to meet these guys. They hate soups too. And then she'd have been like, oh, good. So she would have known (laughs) right where that is, or at least she would know where she was going enough to track the vehicle and wind up there. I don't know. It's it's all plausible once you know that they're connected like that. It seems like a very uh, Magneto situation from X-Men or whatever. And and the fact that like it's because she's not for Homelander that we know of yet, you know, but um, yeah. It's just like a different version of what she, uh, like, what's her agenda? Like, what is she trying to do? Is she just trying to make sure, like, obviously to be in the know of, like, what they're trying to do, maybe them and also, uh, was it bought and everything? But it, 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 I can't tell right now if she's going to be good or bad. Well, let's see who she popped. She popped CIA lady. Well, if she's working with uh, the boys, then there was some something that she said just before she died about, like, a coup. Remember all that business? And then mm-hmm. she then she dies, and then they have the other head popping extravaganza in the courtroom, right when Doctor Vogelbaum is about to out Vought for you know all of that stuff, Ryan and the various research programs and stuff, and then she pops Alistair right after they make a deal. So I wonder what the pattern is there, what the connection is between all those people that would serve an, a greater agenda. Also, does it have a tie-in at all to Stormfront in a way, like, or is it like completely separate and that's just like some, you know, dead? Um, um, oh, it, it definitely might, because if, because Sage Grove was one of the places that they were going to testify about, and so that never came out. And maybe we don't know, because um, we we barely learned it that she was the soup. She could be possibly somebody um, where um, the V worked, you know, as an adult. Like, we don't know if she is one that it was like, you know, like all the other soups. So, yeah, like that could be a plan of, you know, um, whatever the the army part or I don't know, or just a separate plan. I don't know. (laughs) Her last name is spelled N-E-U-M-A-N-N, which is super German name. She does not look particularly German, but it is definitely a very German name. Now, is it a Jewish name? I don't know. But, you know, German is is enough to have me draw a line in pencil between Stormfront, who we know was in Germany, and the senator who we know comes, her people allegedly come mm-hmm. from Germany. I don't know exactly how, but I think that may be a relationship to, to ponder. As a head popper, her actions would seem to suggest that she wants to let Vought do what they're doing. But, you know, she had that rally that was very much anti-Vought and she was fighting against the chief of staff to release the Compound V. So, you know, her public face is like, no, we need to control Vought. So maybe it's somewhere in between. You could see where maybe she gets involved with some sort of like government oversight agency that all of a sudden has some sort of reign over Vought. And maybe that was her ultimate goal anyway, was to get control of what that company can do without having to leave, you know, something as influential as, as a senatorial spot. She may be a rep. I don't know. I, uh, yeah, elected <laughs> government, <laughs> federal government official is what I, all I mean. Time will tell. 
overall, I've been very happy with the second season. The couple quibbles that we've mentioned over the course of this podcast, uh, I think are uh, something you can rationalize if you look at the whole season overall. There, I do have a couple of like deus ex machina sort of situations that I'd like to know a little bit more about, but I think that's more like... I don't know the extent of, say, a certain person's powers or something that may explain all those sorts of things. But overall, I, I for fans that have been wondering uh, what Paul thinks and whether or not they should watch the second season <laughs> of The Boys after finishing the first, I would say yes, definitely don't stop. This is well worth your time and, and expands the universe well beyond the, the first season. After that first season, it's it's always hard to do the the second season, especially if you had like a really good uh, first one, and because then it, it just the expectations are much higher. Um, we expect a lot more, um, and I have to say, like as far as season twos go, there was no sophomore slump. <laughs> um, there's no like it, it kind of you know I know with a lot of season or a lot of series, it, it sort of diminishes every you know like you'll kind of forgive a lot of stuff because you like really love that first season. Um, and it just kind of goes down from there. And so this one feels like it definitely went up um, in my book. Like it, it kept the spirit of season one and it didn't try to do this all the same things. It, it did some new things. It introduced characters. I don't know. I, I think it was just compelling. And everything with Homelander's storyline and Antony Star is just so good, so compelling. And it's sort of like if, if you had like a Game of Thrones void, um, even <laughs> though it's not a period piece it just feels like that sort of excitement and i think a lot of people are feeling that way since it's doing so well where you do feel like you're gonna have sort of like a what the fuck moment and you, you can't predict things and i think sometimes that's really hard nowadays especially with so much tv and so the fact that they're be they're able to do that i appreciate as a viewer so that's like sort of my general thoughts on all of season two and i highly would recommend it and i'm really excited for season three <laughs> Yeah, hopefully they get to make it sometime soon. <laughs> things are things yes. are getting moving though. Production is is starting here and there. They got that Amazon money. I think they can get the, you know, COVID test and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully. Um I'm looking forward to it. In the meantime, between now and then, you can find Cat and I picking up our microphones in December when yes. Snowpiercer returns to uh the cable ways <laughs> um <laughs> the tracks if you will super super excited to to get back into that deteriorating world but until then this has been paul with pod clubhouse and this is cat with shuffle online and we'll see you next time thanks bye thank you for listening this has been an original pod clubhouse production pod clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.